Oh my God, I'm chilling. What happened? Oh my God. Oh, I just can't. What? Hello, everyone. Rebecca here, and pretty much only Rebecca, because <laughs> I must say, I got to tell y'all, Rach is dying of the flu, miserable. I know. She's, yeah, she's, she's trying, though. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Can you hear it? <laughs> yeah, I can. And a round of applause to Rach for hanging in there and being able to record. No, a round of applause to Rebecca, who was able to get her story done in time because this is supposed to be my week and I'm close to done, but I could not do it. I'm on the mend now. I'm on day three of Tamiflu, but this Tamiflu. whole week. I kept saying Thermaflu. No, Tamiflu, but I could not finish. There's no way. No. So the thank flu is God. And it's going around bad. Everyone, geez, be careful. Wash your hands, everyone. Ugh, sounds miserable. It's awful. I'm sorry. And I it's really good. appreciate you being able to do this. Thanks for having your story ready. You are welcome. Um, okay. Well, how's your stomach? Oh, God. Good. You squeamish today? Yes. Okay. Always. Well, I'll give trigger warnings. You can take off your earphones when I say to, if need be, whatever. Patreon shoutouts, Missy, Kendra, Amy, Brooke, Laura, Colleen, Maggie, Corey, and Kim. Welcome. Thank you for joining. Really appreciate it. Um, Nikki has a custom shout-out. She would love to shout-out her boss. She said, I work for an artist, YouTuber. So if you like bright, vibrant art and cool characters, check out 1000. That's spelled out. T-E-N-100. Spelled out. He's done murals all over the world. He's also created and designed his own deck of playing cards made by the United States Playing Card Company, the makers of bicycle decks. He's the best, and I'm grateful to be his warehouse manager. His YouTube currently has 710,000 subscribers. Oh, damn. So this shout-out will just put him right over that million. Yeah, there you go. For sure. You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. So I can just jump right in. I mean, this... The story is kind of what nightmares are made of. I found this story a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago. I was shocked when I did, I'd never heard this before. And I looked on, see if anyone had done a podcast on it. Only one um, military murder podcast has done an episode on it. There's not a ton on it except for in old newspapers, which I did purchase on newspapersarchive.com, uh, specifically a newspaper called Stars and Stripes from articles from 1993 to 1994. Tons of articles in there about that. So I, I, download, I bought a few of those. I found a few court documents, couldn't find the whole trial, couldn't find the whole transcript. I dug for it. And Washington Post is my last source. Diane and Stephen Schapp met in March of 1989 on a flight from London to Baltimore, where they were both from. And Stephen told his family almost immediately he had met the most incredible girl and he wanted to marry her. And six months later, they did just that. They got married at just 22, 23 years old in a private ceremony in Maryland. Stephen Schapp is from a close-knit Catholic family, and at just 14 years old, he took on the role of a father after his parents' very painful divorce. He was very quiet but smart and studied English and psychology at Loyola College in Baltimore. His parents' divorce had lasting effects on him, though. 
And he was determined that if he ever got married, it would be for life. He would do anything to keep his family together and didn't want divorce to ever be an option. You would think that with this mentality, he would have taken like more time than six months to propose. But yeah, I, I be love struck. Do you whatever works? I, I rolled that. Mm -hmm. That divorce isn't an option. Yes. I know. This or, tells me so, this is going to lead to something that's way worse than divorce. Yeah, right. I mean, give it your all. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sure. Give it, give your, it all. your all. Work, try to work on your marriage, but like. But if it comes to murder and divorce, let's just do the divorce. <laughs> well, you'll see. Uh, yeah, I have a feeling. It's not that simple. Okay. So they settled in Baltimore area and Stephen worked for his father's construction company. And he came home one day to find Diane amped to share some news. She was pregnant. He was yep. ecstatic. They called their families. They did the whole thing. But sadly, Diane miscarried the baby early on. They tried again, again got pregnant, and she had another miscarriage. Sad. After the third miscarriage, Diane decided she couldn't go through the devastation anymore. So she was going to have tubal ligation, more commonly known as getting her tubes tied. Okay. Hearing this, Stephen said, no way, that surgery is far too serious, and he would get a vasectomy instead. His friends and family were shocked that he was willing to do this, especially at 24 years old, because he had always wanted a family. But he said he couldn't stand to see his wife suffer anymore, and there are other ways to have a family, i.e. adoption. So he was more than willing to do it if it meant no more miscarriages. Shortly after that, he announced that he was going to quit his job at his father's construction company and join the Army because he wanted to spend more time with his wife and learn how to fly. Wait. Does this strike you as odd? Say that again? Sorry. He wanted to join the army because he wanted to spend more time with his wife and learn how to fly. Uh, more time. Oh, you had to check to see if that's a typo. I'm like, you mean less time with your wife? Yeah. Wait, no, where are they love? He's confused. Love, yeah. What, why does that make him spend more time with his wife? It doesn't. No one okay. explained this to him. I don't know where he thought that quitting a nine to five job and joining the army would grant you more time with your family. It's yeah. quite the opposite. But anyway, in 1992, Schaap was sent to the 11th Armored Cavalry Regiment in Fulda, Germany, where he was assigned to the aviation squadron as a helicopter mechanic. So they packed up their lives and moved to Germany, where they made fellow expat friends, as you do. They became very close to other couples, as well as a 21-year-old specialist named Gregory Glover, who's from Phoenix. He's young, and obviously his family's thousands, thousands of miles away, so Diane and Stephen became basically like his family. They spent Thanksgiving together, hang out, hang out all the time. You know how it goes. Diane and Stephen had talked about adoption. Specifically, they wanted to adopt two kids, but they needed to work on their communication issues first. Before even moving, Diane was very frustrated about the lack of communication. She would tell Stephen how she felt, but he wasn't very responsive to it. Then they moved to Germany, Germany and she's lonely as hell. I mean, no family, no real friends. They're all through her husband. Yeah. No baby. So, I mean, that's a tough spot to be in. And in September of 1993, Stephen had to go back to the States for a month to attend a platoon leaders course. And Diane had taken a voluntary position at the base's legal office and isn't able to go with them. So she's just you know, up there really alone for a full month, just stewing in her sadness. Oh, while he's gone, she decided this marriage is really is completely over. She doesn't love him anymore. There's not much keeping her around except guilt because divorce isn't an option to him. But unfortunately, it is for her. 
she's 26, she can easily start over and you can start over whenever, but you know, some people have a hang up on yeah. starting over. Yeah. I dated a guy for like three or four years and broke up at 29. And I remember not wanting to start over then. And now oh my back God, and can you imagine? Thank God we broke up. I mean, that is so funny. David, I wish you well, but oh my God, you made a good call. <laughs> right? Good job, David. Good job. You did, did it. the right thing. <laughs> but we were mad then. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> we were pissed. Because <laughs> I didn't want to start over at 29. I'm like, I don't even like, or 28, however old I was. Yeah. Like, that is like, seems like decades ago now. Oh my God. It's so crazy. It's crazy. When he gets back, she tells him she doesn't think their marriage is working and he is shocked. He says he's completely blindsided. He obviously fights to stay together, but she tells him there's too much pain and she's fallen out of love with him. Ouch. Jeez. Yikes. Obviously, he is not happy about it at all. And after weeks of trying to get her to work on their issues, he said he felt like a failure and there's no point. And he agreed to start the process. He even went to see the chaplain to make arrangements for Diane to move back home. On December 7th, 1993, he picks up Greg and confides in him about how he does not want this at all. He wants to win her back. He's devastated and wants to figure out how to make it work, how she can stay and all this stuff. On that very day, Diane woke up not feeling well at all. She got in the shower and noticed she was bleeding a lot. You see, this was very concerning to Diane because about a month before, she found out she was pregnant. Oh, no. She goes to the hospital and they tell her the baby is fine, but she needs to stay there for a week so they can monitor her since she had a history of miscarriages. Now she knows she has to come clean to Stephen. There's no way around it. She's going to be in the hospital for a week. Yeah. Stephen has had a vasectomy as a reminder, guys. Uh -oh. This baby is not his. Oh, wow. She called Sergeant Russell Bates to tell him to relay the message to Stephen that she's in the hospital. And before you knew it, he's there. He assumed it was related to an ovarian cyst that she had a little bit of a history with. But when he sat down, she had to break it to him. No, it's because I'm pregnant and obviously it's not yours. Oh, my God. Oddly enough, he takes it very well. His first response was only concern over her and the baby. And they even agreed it would be best if she didn't tell him who the father was while she was in the hospital. I guess it would be too much stress on her. I don't know, but he was taking it so well that she had to, she felt the need to hold his hand and say, this does not mean we're getting back together. Like maybe he thought that now that she was pregnant, she would try to make it work and they could raise the baby even though it wasn't his. Yeah. But he assured her that is not what this is. He just wanted to be there for her. He just wants the baby to be safe and her to be safe. And he even offered to go get toiletries and clothes from their apartment so she would be more comfortable while in the hospital. That's nice. And a reaction award goes to... Stephen Shat, my God. And like, let's think about it. He got a vasectomy because she never wanted to be pregnant again. And now here she is pregnant with another man's baby. Yeah. I mean, things are probably going on in his head. Like, no wonder you didn't want to work on our marriage. You yeah. fell out of, love, out of love with me because you're in love with someone else. I mean, anyone would be pissed. Yeah. And about an hour later, he came back and he was. It sunk oh. in. He stewed on it. It took him a second. But now he's devastated. Essentially, oh. he's reacting the way anyone would in this situation. He demanded to know who the father was, which she wouldn't tell him. He demanded to know where in the apartment they had sex, which she mistakenly responded to on oh. the floor of their living room. Like, Ooh. this lie. Yeah, yeah. So they, 
not in our apartment, say not in our home. I don't know, but live for sure. Oh God. And he said he couldn't live there anymore knowing that they had, they made love there and he was going to pack up all his shit and he stormed out of the room. After he leaves, she gets a call from the father of her baby who heard she was in the hospital and she told him she's fine. The baby's fine. And Stephen does know she's pregnant, but he doesn't know who the father is. They're on the phone for about 10 minutes talking about how this will all work before the phone suddenly goes dead. Just after 5 p.m., she hears stomping down the hallway and can tell it's Stephen. He oh blows God. the door open carrying a gym bag and he looks different. Not like the caring, devastated husband he previously was, and she's completely terrified. He sets the gym bag down, unzips it, and pulls out a blood-soaked, severed head. Oh, my God. And whose head does he pull out? The father's. lovers. Is that the Phoenix guy? Yeah. Oh, my God. His best friend, Greg Glovers. Wait, what was the time frame between him demanding to know who the father was and him doing this? How do you find out? And we're going to get into all that because it is horrifying. He holds the head by the hair, sticks it in Diane's face and says, look, Diane, Glover's here. He'll sleep with you every night, only you won't be sleeping. And he puts the head on the table next to her, facing her. Wait, but she was on the phone with the father, I thought? Yes. Oh. And the phone went dead. Oh. And about an hour after that, here comes her husband with his severed head. Oh, my God. She shrieks with fucking terror. And two doctors run in to find her completely pale in the face, obviously, hysterically screaming and blood on her, everywhere on her. And that's when they see the severed head on the bedside table. Stephen is sitting on the end of her bed and welcomes the doctors and says, good, you're here. Listen to everything I have to say and remember as much as you can. And here's the weirdest fucking part. They do. The two doctors, one of which is the chief of the ward, closes the door behind them, sits down and listens to him explain how his wife betrayed and embarrassed him and slept with his best friend. One of the doctors was about to get sick and covers the head with a blanket and Stephen objects and says, no, sit down, leave it the way it is. And they again did. Stop letting this madman control the situation. Stop it. Well, they're scared. Well, according to Dr. Haberman's testimony, after Stephen started talking, they actually felt calmer and less scared, saying during his testimony, quote, I no longer felt threatened. What he wanted to do was explain why he had done it. I'm like, wait, there is a human head on the nightstand. The father of the fetus inside this terrified woman is on the fucking nightstand. That is crazy. I mean, there are a lot of fucks said in this episode because it's a human head situation. So if your kids aren't already out of the room, tell them to leave now. Because it is a motherfucking human head situation. Oh, my God. He then goes on to say, you know, you gave me enough clues. It was easy enough to figure it out. I studied this. I planned this. I calculated this. I did this for you because I love you. This is all what a head is looking at her. She's in the hospital. Like, Uh -uh. Jesus. Uh -uh. But that note is important because later there's a question on whether it's premeditated or not. I'm not sure why, because three witnesses heard him say that, but whatever. They yeah. Two doctors and his wife, but whatever. Right. He then told the doctors he would surrender peacefully to U.S. military police when they arrived, and he did. He went without incident, and Diane was transferred and treated for shock, but luckily the baby was still okay. 
All right, let's back up for a little. God. The month Stephen went to the States for training, Diane and Greg started an affair. When she returned, he did admit he went through her diary and there was indication, indication of her having an affair with an unknown man. I don't think she said his name, but she convinced Stephen that it was fantasy. Nothing she wrote in that diary was true. She, while she fantasized about other men, that's all it was, made up. And apparently he was fine with that and moved on. But in reality, reality her and Greg were in love and even talked about marriage. Greg was about to be transferred to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And Stephen had finally granted Diane the divorce and was in the process of moving back home to the States. So to Greg and Diane, things were looking up and it appeared they had a real shot to try to make this work. But when he went to the hospital the second time and he went, he left to go pack up things, he packed up his passport, clothing, toiletries, food, financial records, photocopies of that journal he found, her diary, and money. Somewhere along the way, he figured out his wife's lover was Greg. I have no idea how. I could not find exactly what tipped him off, aside from a gut feeling, but surely you don't decapitate a man unless you're damn sure he's the yeah. one you want to decapitate. Right. But anyway, it's at this point, he grabs an eight-inch knife, and over the next hour, he's searching for Gregory. He finds him in a phone booth right next to the dining hall, and as we know, he was actually on the phone with Diane, and according to her testimony, Greg was talking about how worried he was about Stephen because that morning he had given Gregory a ride and confided in him about how bad he wanted to stay with Diane. Yikes. Then he said that he saw Stephen walking towards him, and that's when the phone went dead. Stephen okay. attacks Gregory, and people are coming out of the mess hall to see what the hell is going on, and initially thought they were just dicking around and wrestling until they see Stephen straddling Greg and repeatedly stabbing him until he no longer moved. Then, warning, if you're squeamish, jump what? 15 seconds, maybe 30. Oh, my God. Do I need to take my headphones off? I don't know. We'll see. He then start, starts sawing through Greg's neck. And when it's about severed, he stands up and starts kicking his head repeatedly until oh. it rolled away from his torso for about 10 feet. Gross. According to Anthony Penny, Greg's roommate who witnessed the attack, he ran inside the mess hall and yelled for someone to call MP. That's military police. He ran back outside where he said he saw his roommate and friend beheaded and immediately oh. threw up. Stephen then looked at the crowd and sarcastically said, he even said he was sorry, talking about Greg. Gosh, he really snapped. He really snapped. He then picked up the head by its ha his hair, held it up, and said to the crowd, this is what you get for adultery. He puts Whoa. the head in a gym bag and goes to the hospital, leaving his decapitated body on the sidewalk. Sad note, I f a guy on Reddit I found was there. He actually used the phone booth before Greg. Oh, my God. Guarded the headless body until the police got there. Oh, my God. No way. Yeah. Oof, he, said, he talked very highly of Greg. He said Glover oh. was a great guy, I'm sure. Oh, my God. I'm sure he was. He's only 21 years old. My God, he made a mistake. Jesus. Holy so this shit. goes to military court. And first, they give him a psychiatric exam to make sure he can stand trial. And not only was he proven to be mentally sound, but he ranked 98th percentile on an IQ test. So it goes to trial. And like I said before, it was the focus was whether it was premeditated or heat of passion, because there's obviously no question on whether who did it. I mean, he yeah. doesn't deny it. He's there. Yeah. And his defense is arguing it was a crime of passion, which would be voluntary manslaughter. 
But not only did he say, I planned this, I calculated this to his wife and doctors, but I go back to that point I made in the Napa Valley Murders, episode 29, if you haven't already listened, uh, where the killer smoked two cigarettes outside before going in. Uh, in this yeah. case, Stephen Schapp walked around for an hour looking for Greg. Mm-mm. Yeah. That is more than enough time to calm down, regain self-control, and refrain from kicking someone's head off their body. Oh, my like, God. Jesus. Like, had he walked in, saw them in bed, pulled out a gun and shot him? Sure. He had a passion yeah. all day. Yeah. The defense says he wasn't intending to kill Greg. It was only when he saw him that he snapped. But, I mean, he had a knife in tow. So yeah. Hard he, to argue that. Yeah. It wasn't off the table. It wasn't sure. off the table. He, he had it there in the back knife. of his mind. He had a weapon <laughs> locked and loaded. Yeah. Stephen actually took the stand and said when he saw Glover in the phone booth, he felt, quote, physically incapacitated. He said, I stood there. I felt outside myself. Physically, I felt sick. Things seemed very narrow. He no longer seemed like Greg. I didn't feel his presence. And I guess what he's describing here is that tunnel vision we've heard people get when their adrenaline is so high or they're killing people. So a lot of people question how Brian Koberger didn't see Dylan during the Idaho murders. Because of that, probably that tunnel vision, yeah? Yeah. So after he carried the head to his wife's bedside, he said he felt unclean. And all he said was he very much wanted to hold her. Gross. Uh, gross. There were a ton of character witnesses to praise what a good guy he was. Family and friends testified that Stephen was a very family-oriented guy, and he would never cheat on Diane. Family is very important to him. And I'm like, that's all great. But it, had he cheated on Diane, I bet she wouldn't have beheaded his mistress yeah like that's great that he's a loyal husband but yeah he just murdered someone else's child like what are we doing yeah apparently the only time he got emotional in trial was when he looked at diane who was at this point six months pregnant but she refused to look at him the entire trial i think this pregnancy stuck which is oh yeah Jurors find Stephen guilty of premeditated murder, which is a mandatory life sentence. But for whatever reason, the jury takes mercy on him. And all but one juror recommended that his life sentence be reduced to no more than 30 years. One of them actually wanted no more than 20 years. Wow. This was rejected and he was originally sentenced to life. However, for reasons I cannot find, the general court martial convening authority later reduced it to 45 years, which he served in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, and in 2017, he is released on parole after serving only 24 years. Nuh-uh. Yeah. How insane is that? So he's out? So he is out. And I tell you, when I have searched for him and Diane's whereabouts, I can't find anything. I mean, nothing. That is so crazy. Hey, wait. Fort, that's what I thought. Fort Leavenworth is where Tim Hennis is. No way. Yeah. But he is oh, not probably, out. Yeah, military. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's crazy. Um, wow. And that is the devastating story of poor Gregory Glover and Stephen wow. Shop, man. He really took a turn. How insane is that? And I I mean, I guess because there's only really newspaper articles on it, there's one really good um, Washington Post article that recaps the trial and all that. But aside from newspaper articles that go back to 1993, 1994, there's not much on it, which is why I'm guessing no one has really done a podcast on it. But when I heard it, I was like, oh, my God. I mean, I thought 
initially like Diane was going to snap. Like Stephen really yeah. does sound like a stand-up guy. And the guy on Reddit said he was. It was shocking. That is when they so... saw him carving through a fellow soldier's head. Uh, oh my God. That's so crazy how quickly someone can snap. I mean, snap. But my whole thing is, I, I know the jury wanted leniency on his sentencing, but like, am I in the twilight zone? If your mind is capable of going there, if you're capable of stabbing and decapitating someone, you're a threat to society. Oh, I know. If anything in the world makes you snap like that, you're a threat. Sorry. Yeah. If an affair made you snap like that, something else is bound to make you snap again. You will see red again in your lifetime. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, premeditated murder is still life and a mandatory life and life in prison in the military. So the fact that oh, the right. jury wanted, like, yes, it was premeditated, but let's do some leniency in 30 years. And the judge, like, I can't. It's mandatory life in prison. Although the That's general court martial convening authority later reduced it to 45 years. And there's no reasoning as to why there's no reason stated. I don't know. It's weird. That's crazy. Crazy, huh? Beheading a man 24 years. So he got out at 50 something. Oh my God. And I don't know where he's living again. Couldn't find anything on him. Couldn't find anything on Diane. I'm sure she's changed her name or I couldn't even find her maiden name. And they're what, like I tried to look for their wedding announcement. Yeah. But that is in, it was shocking to me. So I was like, I thought he was going to pull out a gun and that I thought I thought that's what you were going to say too. Nope. Just a head, a human just head. Just a severed of his head. Best friend. Best friend's oh. human head. And set it on the table, just looking at him. Sick. Sick. Squeamish. That's all. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> Thank y'all. Sorry my voice is so annoying. That's fine. You have the flu. I um, know, but it's still like, bleh. Yeah. We will be back to regu regularly scheduled episodes next week. <laughs> well, this was, thanks to you, pretty regular. i no, it is regular. Mine, it's just a mix up that I Yeah, now we're go. Rebecca's gone twice, so now I'm gonna go twice. Are you? you I don't know. To. I think so. I think I could. The idea of going back to shit. work after maternity leave has put like a fire under my ass to try to get as many stories done. So I'm gonna go ahead and start my next story. I, mine can certainly be as regularly scheduled uh, after yeah. next week, if need be, whatever. But we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And thanks everyone. Patrons, you will get another bonus up coming at you. You're getting extra this month for being yeah. the best. And our other listeners, y'all are the best, but other people, murderers, are the worst. Don't you forget yeah. it. Don't you forget that. Hope I gave y'all something to talk about at the Christmas dinner table. <laughs> you are the best. People are the worst. Bye. Bye.